Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor here. Hey, uh, we're one church in several locations, and so I want to welcome those in Peru, those in Morris, and those online, listening online. Hey, um, some celebration, right? Last week, we voted um, to move forward with the plan at the Ottawa campus, and uh, we had a 95% approval vote. So thank you very much for all of you who participated in that. We are really, really excited and looking forward to getting started the moment uh, Easter is over, right? And so the other thing that uh, we just want to continue to keep praying about is God would help us to sell that land and um, that we continue to free up um, maybe some assets that would allow us to continue to expand when we think about our Peru campus, um, when we think about Morris and even future campuses. And we're just praying that God is going to continue to provide what we need as well as provide great spaces for us to continue to expand the mission of Crossbridge. Hey, the other thing, this is the big week, right? One good Friday. I uh, want to invite all of you. We're going to come together. Probably, I don't think, we, we just, we don't hardly ever do this, where we bring all the campuses together under one roof for one good Friday. Even you online, maybe you've never been at one of our Crossbridge services. This would be a great opportunity to walk in. 5.30 or 7.30, everyone's going to gather at the Ottawa campus. And then, of course, we've got Easter. And so um, so this week, we've been walking through this 21-day challenge. And uh, you've been reading the little devotionals each day. At least I hope you have. Hope you're enjoying that. Hope you're getting something out of it. Um, this next week, as we take a look at this, what you're going to see is um, more of an outward kind of piece. What does it look like for us to love, to love other people, to make space for other people, to see beyond ourselves? And so I, I thought I'd ask um, the question. In fact, as, as I begin talking to you this week, the question that comes to mind is this, where does love come from? Where does love come from? You know, our capacity to love, here's what I want you thinking about. Our capacity to love comes from God. First John puts it this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Romans 5 says it this way, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So I think um, as we kind of get started and we're thinking about this idea of loving, um, to be reminded our foundation is really through our relationship with God, that it is his love that fills us first, that we have the opportunity then to share and to spill that love on the people we come in contact with. In fact, I think when I think about my own relationship with God, when I think about one good Friday, when we're going to talk about what took place on the cross, God really sets the standard when it comes to love. First John says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, is what scripture says. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, um, John 15 puts it this way, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's, it's this picture, you know, we talk about, in fact, we flippantly say, yeah, I love you, man, love you, bro, love you, dude. Like, we, we, we throw love you out there, um, some of us, without really thinking about it. But I think when love is talked about in Scripture, it is a deep, rich kind of love that has a very much an action that you can see behind it. The action of the fact that God sent his son, who could have at any point said, I don't want to endure a cross, but chose to lay down his life for you and for me. You know, um, at all of our campuses, we've been working on developing safety teams. Uh, Some of our campuses are further along in that than others, but that's kind of our goal, right? That we would have a safety team because we want Crossbridge to be a safe place. And, um, and you know, we, we value our people. And so it's funny, though. One of my very best friends in the world serves on the Ottawa safety team. And not too long ago, you know, he told me, hey, someone called me. I'm, I'm going to serve on the safety team. And I was like, man, that's good for you. And uh, that'd be a good place for you. And he said, well, just so you know, I'm not taking a bullet for you. And I said, well, Thank you very much. It's good to know. Um, You know, I get it, right? But here's the picture. Real love lays down one's life for someone else. I guess what I am concerned about or would want to maybe even challenge us to think about today is uh, how do we really see love and how do we define it? Is it God's definition that defines it? Or have we kind of adjusted to our culture, which throws around love really easily? Here's what I also want you to think about. Love really isn't optional. Some of you are like, Kevin, I get it. You're supposed to love people, but I really just don't. I think maybe God made me in a way which I don't like other people. And, and what I would say is I think you probably you should search a little deeper because I don't think he made you that way. In fact, I think it's part of who he's called us to be. John 13 says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, this is a really cool line, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The best way that people can identify us in this world as followers of Jesus ought to be by the way that we love. Luke 10 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, right, throws a little piece on there, love your neighbor as yourself. So as I was writing the sermon, here's where my brain began to go. So if God has commanded it, uh, hey, go love, like I'm commanding you, go love. And if love comes from him, then why is it so hard? Why is it so stinking hard to love everyone? I mean, there's some people, I don't know about you, there's some people that are easy to love, And there's others that are terribly difficult to love. So what is it, here's one of the questions that came to mind for me. What is it that affects our capacity to love our neighbor? What affects our capacity to love the people around us? And a couple of these I'm going to rifle through. Um, I'm I'm going to just, you know, go through them very quickly. But but here is, here's what you think about. First thing is this. I think that diminishes our capacity to love is our own selfishness. Philippians 2, uh, Paul says it really well. Don't be selfish, 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We, we could probably quote that verse every single day when we get out of bed, and it would probably be great reminders, right? That as we go through the day, the day isn't just about us. That as we go through the day, we're not expecting everyone just to cater to us and create a great day for Kevin. That what if it was about Kevin going out and living in a way in which Jesus' love, like which has filled my heart, begins to, begins to see other people and deeply love them and try to create a great day for them. That I would be just as concerned about everyone else's interest as I am my own. Now, here's what I know. That's not natural. We're not like, we don't come out that way. If, you, if you've spent any time with a two-year-old lately, you, you, you'd remember this. You don't come out in a way in which you're automatically thinking about the interest of others. We are born into this world with self-interest in mind. So part of this shaping and part of this transformation that happens in our life as God's love fills us is he begins to take this inward-focused heart and he begins to point it outward. That's, it's the greatest evidence, I believe, of, of a changed heart. Now, continuing, the second thing that I think our diminishes, that diminishes our capacity to love is when we try to love solely on our own. In fact, there's several places in the Bible, I've talked to you about this before because I think it's really, it's, it's a key piece. In the Bible, you'll see in a number of places where it talks about the fruit. It's, it's the idea of what are we producing? What is growing off of these limbs, right? What, what are we showing people? What is the outpouring from our lives from the inside work that Jesus is doing? Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind, this kind of fruit in our lives. And the first word out of the shoot is this, love. It goes on to say joy and peace and patience and kindness, but love. So that tells us again, right? Where's love come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts, as we said earlier, right, with his love. John 15 describes this really cool picture. He's talking about um, when we remain in connection, in relationship with God, that we actually have the opportunity to produce things that we could never produce on our own. And here's what he says. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And then this is, this is the most powerful line in this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Maybe we should just say that together. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, you can't produce this Jesus kind of love on your own doings. It has got to come out of being connected and in relationship with Jesus himself. It's part of what I'm hoping happens through this 21-day challenge, that as you spend time with God on a daily basis, even as you just read a couple pages and you reflect on your life and you ask him to show you things, that part of, of what is happening is you're recognizing, right, there's a dependence that if I want these kinds of things to happen in my life, it is God who's going to make them happen. Here's, here's the third thing that I think you'll really, really connect with. And it's kind of taking those first two and, and then just lumping them in this big category. But what diminishes our capacity to love is because we are human and we interact with humans. Here's, here's the picture of that. I want you to close your eyes with me and bow your heads for a second. And I want you to picture someone 
that is very, very difficult to love. And this is going to be really challenging for you, I'm sure. But as your head's bowed and your eyes closed, picture someone that's challenging to love. Now, as you picture them in your head, now I want you to think about what drives you crazy about them. You got that picture in your head? Some of you are like, oh, I got like five pictures in my head, right? Now, here's, here's something that I think is really kind of, I, I want you to process. Know this. As those names come to mind, there's a good chance that when somebody would bow their head today in this world and be asked the very same question, your face would come to mind. Um, not because you're awful, not because you're not lovable, but because not everyone connects with everyone. That God has made us all different. And there's certain people that rub me wrong, right? And there's certain people that rub you wrong. And, and you will never, ever, I don't believe you'll ever get past that. I, my hope would be that God would, the same in my life, that God would help me to love those that are even difficult to love. Really kind of funny, a funny story. I was sitting in um, actually Naperville, Illinois this week, um, downtown Naperville, really like I love that place. And I was sitting in a Starbucks and that, that Starbucks is one of the busiest Starbucks that I sit in. And, um, and so I was sitting there and I was working on this sermon. And I was reading every passage I could about love. And I was reading through that book and I was thinking about love and I'm trying to like, trying to write a sermon. And the only place I could find to sit was like a table for six. So I sat down at the end of that table and there were two older gentlemen who sat at the same table with me. They were already there. And so, you know, I was kind of coming in on their space, but it was a community table, right? And it was the only place available. So I sat down and I spread my stuff out and I'm really trying to focus. And, and instantly, as I'm trying to zero in, here's what I notice. Number one, they are talking way too loud. I mean, way too loud. At one point, I looked over to my right and then I saw the gentleman. Hey, I get it. I probably need him too. But he had in hearing aids. And I thought to myself, man, can we turn the volume down? You know, that was my first thought. And, and so they're talking really, really loud. So I, I get out my headphones. I plug them in, I put them in, I turn that music up really loud. Now I can, I can still hear them, but it's not as bad. And, and even, you know, you can't help it, right? You're listening, and in the context of this conversation, they're talking about taxes, they're talking about politics, they're complaining about their wives. Like I was, oh, the conversation was driving me bananas. And, and, and then to top it all off, the one gentleman who was sitting across from me, um, every time he would talk and he would emphasize something, he would, he, would, he would hit the table. And so he kept hitting the table and he'd hit the table. And every time I felt like the table would shake as I was typing. And at one point he was really emphatic about something, it may have been his wife, and he, and he hit the table. And instantly I thought, oh, and I looked up and I stared at him. You know, it wasn't like a, hey, how are you? It was a, like, really? Like, are, are, do we have to keep hitting the table? And then I noticed he kind of looked at me and, and then he, he, he took his hands and, and he kind of did this and he, and he put them like this and I thought, okay, he figured it out. It couldn't have been 20 seconds later, he started doing it again. I thought, it's just a habit, right? It's a habit. So, um, but isn't it, isn't it interesting that I'm writing a sermon on love, right? Sitting with two gentlemen that I was ready to strangle. And, and so they leave, the next person comes and sits down, it's a young lady. And um, I can't help but listen to her conversation either. 
and she is a um, she works in an HR job. Um, she is a talent recruiter. You may say, how did, how did I know that? Well, number one, I was listening to the conversation. I was listening to her leader people. She was in a phone conference on the computer. And, uh, and she was doing phenomenal with these people. I mean, I was listening and I couldn't help it. I got sucked in and I was listening how she was leading her people. I was listening how she was challenging her people. I heard her say to one person, hey, I know this is a tough season, but uh, you know, at this company, we work hard and we go through seasons. And, and I was listening to this whole thing. She got done and I actually looked over and smiled and I said, man, that was a great job on that conversation. And she said, yeah, that was a hard conversation. And, and I thought to myself, like, why is it? I mean, it was the same thing, right? I was distracted by both. But one, like one made me want to flip the table and the other one made me want to pull out my earbuds and like, listen, it's because we're all wired differently. Every single one of us, we're different and we struggle with certain people. But here's the cool thing, okay? Here's the cool thing that I want to tell you about God. When we realize how hard it is to love every human, okay, not the people that are easy to love. Think about the people in your life that are difficult to love. When we realize how hard it is, think about this. Think about how amazing God's love is that the most annoying people we can think about, he loves dearly. That he, he doesn't be like, oh, I wish they would leave. He doesn't be like, oh, I just wish they would quit talking that he loves them. When I, when I think about that, like God's love is so beyond what my love is. It is so something other that I could only wish to ascribe to. But here's the good news. And this is really good news. Because all that sounds kind of bad news, right? Like basically I'm saying, hey, there's always going to be terrible, like hard people to love in your life. It's always going to be hard to do. You're probably never going to do great at it. Um, that sounds really bad. Here's the good news. Listen to 1 John. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Now, here's the part. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, think about this. As you have relationship with God, your love grows. The good news is, is that you have capacity for your love to grow for the people around you. I don't know about you, but I, I need to be reminded of that. There's sometimes when it's just discouraging. It's discouraging when I feel like I, I'm wound up tight because of the people around me. I don't want to feel that way. I want to love people deeper than I do. But I also know there's lots of room for growth. But the good news is, He's saying, as you plug into me, as you're connected to the vine, as we said earlier, as this Holy Spirit fills us with love, that hopefully our love becomes more perfect, that it grows. One of my favorite things about pastoring is watching families grow up. I, in fact, I, it happens often that I'll, I'll be walking through the children's area of one of our campuses. I'll see some kid and I look at him and I'm like, man, what's happened to you? And, and, I, and I usually tell him like, hey, I think you've grown three inches. Because it, it's amazing to watch kids go from this tall to this tall. You'll see them again, and they go to this tall. You see them, and all of a sudden, they've got facial hair. And you're like, what is going on with you, right? But the question is, do people see growth in us? Do they see changes? You know, my daughter, kind of a funny story. She has probably 40 pairs of shoes, not because she's spoiled, even though she is. 
She has about 40 pairs of shoes because her foot, she's a a junior in high school, but her foot is the same size as it was when she was a fifth grader, right? Her foot, they they quit growing. So every time she buys a pair of shoes, she's also a hoarder. Um, She keeps all of them. So we have a rule. We say, hey, we just did this actually. We bought her a pair of shoes. And then we say, here's the deal. If we buy you a pair of shoes, you have to get rid of a pair of shoes. You have to donate a pair of shoes. So pick which ones. If one goes in, one goes out. And, and I thought to myself, that it's, it's so funny when I look at her because I'm like, and, and I tease her about it, you know, she's a good sport. But I'm like, these little feet, they were, they were the same size feet in fifth grade. And, and like, they're done. That's the size that they are. When it comes to our capacity to love, let's hope that eight years from now, you are not, your heart is not the same size for the neighbor that lives next to you that drives you crazy that it is today. That would be depressing, would it not? I mean, that would be so discouraging, disheartening. But what if we were to say, God, as I walk with you over the next few years, help me to love my neighbor who's so difficult to love. Help me that you would grow my heart, that you would deepen my love for a coworker that's hard to love. I believe God can do that. You know, why is it so important to love? This is where we're going to finish. Here's why it's so important. There's a quote that you're going to read in the book this week. Here's the quote. Sometimes the most impactful ways we participate in God's mission is to make sure that the relationships in our homes, our churches, our workplaces, and our communities are characterized by wholeness and peace. Hmm. Let me read you one more quote you're going to read in the book, and here's what it says. If God's mission is to restore the world to its intended wholeness, and we are God's chosen vehicles to represent God's mission, then we must make our concern for others a top priority. If God's mission is to restore this world, can you believe that that God says, I want to use you, my people, my imperfect people, to help me to restore the world? That, that this big picture of, of God bringing about the kingdom among us, he does it through us. But the only way that's going to happen is if we cooperate with God and we begin to say, God, help me to walk around with this kind of love, the kind of love that you displayed on the cross, which we're going to talk about on Good Friday, the kind of love that lays down its life the kind of love that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and fills us with so it actually spills out. You know, you you take all these factors that make us human, these factors that would say that diminish our capacity, that we are selfish at times, right? That that we are, um, at at times we, we struggle with wanting to do it on our own. At times we look around and we're like, God, those people are just impossible. And yet what he says is, with me, being connected to me, your capacity to love will be beyond what you'll ever have capacity to do on your own. The final verse I'm going to share with you is, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I'm going to read you that last part again, because, and I just want to talk to you about it as we wrap this up. 
It says, no one's ever seen God. You know, you think about even people outside the church, they would say, how in the world do you know there's a God, right? No one's ever seen him. But then listen to this next line. But if we love each other, I mean, that starts in our homes, our churches, our communities. If we love each other, scripture tells us that's evidence that God lives in us. See, God lives in us. And in that last line, and his love is brought to full expression in us. The world is looking for it. The world is looking for it. May they see God's love in full expression as they interact with us. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've shown us what real love looks like. And I'm thankful that even though there's so many reasons of why it is difficult to love, that you give me hope that my capacity to love can grow. And that God, even when I look around or those, we look around and we think about those folks that are hard, God, you would give us extra grace. God, you would help us even to see how great your love is in the midst of the struggle to love. And that love would make its full expression through us. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.